Hey friends, Brett from Trogonomics. Welcome to Porch Beers. I hope you're having an amazing day so far. Let's get right down to it. We got two questions for Dr. Trogdon. The first one is going to be in that micro personal finance, family finance environment. The second one will be a little bit of a bigger picture. Macroeconomics, uh, the economy of a government or a country, large population, financial decisions. And in both cases, the questions are coming at him cold. So he doesn't know what I'm going to ask him. These are going to be off the top, authentic, thoughtful answers, right? from the start. So I hope you enjoy him and I definitely hope you get some great input from him. He's an expert in the economy, health economics in particular, so he definitely knows what he's talking about and I hope you grab a few nuggets to take away. We'll also break down the beers we're drinking. We're hanging out on the porch, having a few moments, a few cold beers, getting to know the economy and some of the decision-making practices that he likes to employ. Have a wonderful day. Enjoy the episode. We'll catch you next time. Drog, welcome to Porch Beers. Good to see you. How's good to everything? see you, Brett. I'm good. Good to see you. Good. Wonderful. Nice to have you here. We got a couple of questions that we're going to uh, get to on economics. I thought I'm going to give you a little tip here going into the questions. We're going to talk about healthcare today. I thought I would keep it controversial and complicated. Uh, and uh, so I've got a micro and a macro question about healthcare. The good news is you are an expert in the health economic world. So I think you're going to be able to handle these without a problem. Um, but <laughs> we, we may need to open these beers first because now I'm nervous. <laughs> you know what? It's, uh, it's close to noon. So I'm going to go ahead and have a porch beer. Cheers to you. I'm going to start with, if you don't mind, I'm going to start with Skyrise from Pelican Brewing, Tillamook, Oregon. Also have a beautiful tasting room, restaurant, brewery, right on the Oregon coast that is just a stunning little slice of earth uh, and a good beer. And, I, and I'm just going to keep it on the economics front here. My wife came home the other day from uh, running a few errands and she was like, hey, I grabbed a six pack of this Pelican Brewing. I was like, oh, great. You know, I've been there before. And we did a little trip out to the coast and hit up this tap room. And she was like, yeah, it was on sale for $5.99. <laughs> and it was like, good beer on sale. That's what Porch Beers is all about. <laughs> so it was a win-win. It's a good beer and it was on sale. So um, that's what I'm drinking. Cheers. What do you have today? Well, I have uh, uh, one from New Anthem, which is in, out of Wilmington, North Carolina. Our Another. mutual friend, Lou, who runs the bottle shop, has tons of this stuff. And uh, I'm always a sucker for music-themed labels and or names. So this is called On Cassette. It's a double IPA. Oh, I like that. Uh, I like that we both picked breweries from the coasts. You know, nothing wrong with Wilmington, nothing wrong with coastal Oregon, good spots, good beach towns. And uh, shout out to our friends at uh, Bottle Rev uh, right. and Lou, who's kept our beer game pushed forward. Uh, <laughs> no, yes. no shortage of uh, good beer education and good beer coming out of that spot. So yeah, shout out to it's the nice to, nice to have someone I can just trust to, I'm in good hands when I go in. So absolutely. Cool. Cheers. I'm going to have another poll here before we get into a real nice complicated healthcare <laughs> question. I'm, I'm okay. I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. Okay. So I want to start with just kind of the personal side the microeconomics. You personally, when you started your job or at the annual uh, renewal phase, how did you go about selecting your healthcare uh, at your job? What options were you presented, if any, 
And what were the questions that you thought about personally? What did you come back to your partner with? And then how did you make that decision? What, what was the process kind of from start to finish? Yeah, that's a good question. It's a big decision that we make. You know, everyone has to make annually. Um, I'll back up a little bit. My job before this one had, I think we probably had like three or four different plans to choose from. But the insurance company they used had a really nice calculator. I guess the main thing I would say is I like to focus on my total outlay, right? So there's the premium that I'm going to be forced to pay every month. But then depending on what healthcare services I use, there's deductibles, there's co-pays, there's co-insurance. And so what this calculator allowed you to do is you could put out like, let's say it's a bad year and car accident and there's some hospitalizations and here's our, all of our kind of regular care that we do. You could basically just make up like what would, what would like a heavy utilization year look like, put that into the calculator and then it would tell you what your total stuff that you paid across all of the premiums and the co-insurance and the deductibles. So I liked that kind of holistic view um, because often the plans, they trade off one or the other. You can pay a high premium guaranteed every month, but you'd have maybe lower deductibles or lower co-insurance, or you can decide to pay less guaranteed upfront, but you'd be on the hook for more if you use the service. So So a riskier versus a more conservative play. Right, right. And I like to kind of think about like, what would that look like even in like a bad year? Like what would that look like all, all told? Worst case scenario is always worth looking at, right? I think especially with insurance, because that's what you're trying yeah. to, <laughs> you're trying yeah. to cover the really bad outcomes. Yeah. So what we found back back then was that um, the higher deductible, lower premium plans um, for our family, who was relatively young and healthy, were we're fine. Like we, we could save some money on premiums. Most of the jobs I've had um, have some version of a savings account or a reimbursement account that if you choose that type of plan, sometimes your employer, at least I think my previous employer did this, would actually put some money into it. Now, currently at the state, I think we're down to like two plans. Neither one of them have a savings account option. <laughs> so it's, it's getting to be a little bare bones. Um, we are relatively healthy. So I do tend to lean towards the lower premium option. Um, yeah. And we just try to make sure we've got enough saved to cover the extra deductibles and things like that if we end up having to use them. Is there a variable or a, a component of your current plan or of the options you were presented this this round that wasn't there that you wish was? So honestly, given that we have been coming out ahead with the higher deductible plans, I do wish I had access to some sort of health savings account or health reimbursement yeah. account. My spouse does on her plan. So we, we take advantage mm-hmm. of that as well. But I wish that's something that my current employer offered. Yeah, fair. Good answer. I appreciate the intel on that. Um, something that I think a lot of us go through is, you know, you get that email from HR once a year. And it says, you know, hey, it's time to renew. It's time to pick. Here are your options. And you kind of like, well, you know, perhaps like in your case, just now like two options, not not too big of a difference. That's not really picking. Or, you know, go back to your previous private sector job, a very thorough, but also maybe a little intimidating. You know, you're a, you're a health economist, so you can open up a calculator and be like, you know, this is what I do all day, every day. But if that opportunity is offered to somebody that just doesn't have that comfort level, that might be super intimidating as well, just being overwhelmed. So um, it, it definitely is. And there's, there's research out there that even in Medicare, that a lot of people think of as kind of a single, like this is the yeah. health insurance that I get when I turn 65. Mm-hmm. A lot of those plans are ultimately run through private companies. And there's been research, especially in their prescription drug plans, 
that people often do not choose a plan that's good for them. They may even choose a plan that's clearly bad in all dimensions, right? It's got higher premiums and higher deductibles. And so people have a hard time processing that information and they tend to get sticky. So like I just told you that, oh, well, a health plan, a high deductible plan worked for me five years ago. I'm still in one. <laughs> that may not be the right move. And, yeah. But people get stuck in the choice they, in that initial right. choice they make. So it's, it's definitely a challenge. Yeah. Uh, you know, like I said, leading up, nothing um, simple, um, nothing uncontroversial or non-controversial about healthcare. It's a, it's, uh, it's a very complicated um, and intimidating topic uh, at the personal level. So I appreciate that intel. Um, so we'll go into the macro question. I'm going to stick on healthcare. Like I said, I'm going to have just one more pull of my delicious Tillamook because it's going to get complicated. <laughs> okay. So as an economist at a high level, you study markets in different areas, different industries, different countries, you know, the, the concept of market, obviously healthcare is your expertise and, and health economics is your expertise. Are the economics of the healthcare industry different than other industries? And if so, how? Yes. Uh, so I'm, you're making me think back to you know, my first graduate level course in this topic in health economics. What's often credited as the first health economics paper was by Ken Arrow, who is a Nobel laureate. And the whole paper was basically, how is this market different from other markets? Okay. Right. And, and are those differences such that we might think that sort of relying on competition, like we might do in the microwave market wouldn't work. Right. So exactly what, what, tell me about that. And then what, what does that, when you look into the future, uh, what, what are your thoughts? So tell me a little bit about that answer. And then, yeah. So, um, Ways that the, the healthcare market's different. So um, one is that there's a lot of uncertainty. So there's incomplete information. Um, you don't know when you're going to get sick. You don't know how bad it's going to be. You don't know what the right treatment's going to be. You can think of other markets to have that, but that's definitely a key feature here. It's also got this feature where the information is asymmetric. So some of those things are going to be that I just said are going to be more true for, for you as a patient than they would be for the doctor, right? So we rely on doctors because they have a better sense of what the right treatment's going to be and, you know, right. how to prevent certain disease when, you know, you're basically buying a product where you're, you're hiring someone for their expertise. And again, there are other markets where you do this, but it does kind of change the balance of power, right. Between the, the buyer and the seller when one side has more information like yeah. that. So in this case, you're relying on the seller to be a little bit more on your side, perhaps in the, in some other markets, you, you know what you need. You don't necessarily need the seller to provide you Intel or break down the, your options. So inherently there's a little bit of, in some cases, uh, conflict of interest, even mm -hmm. to say, to use that term fair. There can, there can be, and, it, and it's even hard. It's hard to even verify after the fact often, right? Like, we often don't know what it would have looked like had we chosen something else. I mean, there are other markets where you might, you know, if your mechanic can't fix your car after three tries, maybe you go find another mechanic. But when it comes to your health, it may not be obvious that they're not doing the right thing for a long time. And so it's even harder after the fact to check. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of, you know, trust or, or mistrust that has to come into that relationship. And I guess I'll, I'll bring up one more that's related to that is that, um, you know, there's a lot of licensing that's required and, and the technology 
to build something like a hospital, right? It's very expensive. So there's a lot of yeah. upfront, very high upfront costs to get into the market. So there's barriers to entry is what we would call that. Yeah. And that often means that unlike the microwave market where I can go online and find, I don't know how many different brands, but I guarantee you it's in the double digits. Your, your own healthcare market may only have one hospital, right? You may only have one cardiologist. And so that restricted supply now puts us into a class of markets that the standard kind of perfectly competitive kinds of outcomes we know aren't going to exist when there's a few big players in the market. Um, so those are probably the, the first three that come to mind. There are others, but yeah, there are, there's lots of ways in which the healthcare market is, although it's still a market, it's not the first one that you learn about in like eco, econ 101, where you talk about like perfect competition. It's, it's yeah, different. it's much more complicated than, than that. So I'm going to double down if you're comfortable. We're sure. going we're gonna to take this one rung higher in the, the complexity scale. In the United States, healthcare is treated as a particular market, right? In other countries... Uh, it's much more regulated. There's pricing caps. There's restriction of how many sellers can be in the market, et cetera. Unpack that a little bit. It's a super controversial, very volatile conversation, of course. You know, there's a lot of talking points in the media and in political moments about healthcare. You know, when you look at Canadian or European or just as, as easy examples, the American healthcare system is very different. Give me maybe just a couple of bullet points of what's different about them, why, and maybe just some, some thoughts. I'll make the parallel. I'll try to make a parallel anyway with, so as I mentioned before, the, you know, these are healthcare markets, even in the U.S. are, are often, there's a f- only a few entities on the supply side, right? So there's a few hospitals in a market. There's few health insurers in a market. Again, in the U.S., we've relied on the private market for the insurance side as well, which is a big difference, as you were saying. Like, other countries, in fact, it's probably good to separate, right? So some countries provide the health insurance, right? But they still allow the healthcare providers to effectively operate in a market. They just all, everyone's covered by the same The government takes the responsibility of the insurance, but the, but the care is done in a free market. That's right. That's right. So Australia, I think, was is a, a decent example of that. Oh, there is some private insurance on the secondary market, but primarily everyone's covered by the national. Now, there's another version where the government actually is prov- it like owns the provision of care. So the National Health Service right. in, in England, not only is it they running are they running the insurance, they're actually the ones owning the hospitals, hiring the doctors, and that and that's yeah. again that's a, a different model. Um, I think in the U.S the debate we're having right now is more about getting away from markets for the health insurance, I think is generally the debate that's being had. So Medicare for all single, single payer that's on the insurance side. We're still going to let doctors open up doctor's offices and hospitals, enter markets and things like that. But, but it's, who's going to, who's going to do the insurance coverage. And again, health insurance, it's got features, especially the asymmetric information part, you know, the people buy in that case itself and the other way around. Like, so when you're buying your health insurance, like you asked me in the first question, I said, we're a relatively healthy family, right? <laughs> so right. that changes the plan that I chose. And so when you've got that kind of selection into a health insurance market, it, it can quickly become a situation where the more generous the plan, the sicker the patients and families are that choose those plans. And the expensive plan just becomes more and more expensive. And so 
there's all kinds of things like that that interrupt the traditional market functions of for health insurance. Some people see that as we should just have one national payer. We take over this, we get rid of the markets for the health insurance side. Um, historically, we've been more of a managed market for health insurance and the Affordable Care Act was, was still operating in that uh, middle ground where we're trying to cover the people that need the most coverage because they're either old with Medicare, they're poor with Medicaid, and we're going to try to allow the markets to handle everyone else, but we'll, the government will kick in cost sharing for that, right? We'll help pay for the subsidies. So the ACA was kind of a middle ground. And again, people on the right thought it was too much government involvement. The people on the left thought it wasn't enough. And this, this, this election sort of brought all of that back up again. Did I, was that a wishy-washy enough answer? Did, did I actually say anything? <laughs> no, it's, it's not something I think you can summarize in, you know, a couple of thoughts, clearly, right? <clears throat> it's a very complicated conversation uh, that has an emotional component to it as well. Um, to your point about how much involvement should the government have, that transcends healthcare, right? right. How, much, how much involvement should the government have on your street having potholes in it, <laughs> right? Should you go out there and fix it or should this the city go out there and fix it. So there's a lot of, there's a lot going on there. But one of the things that I think for someone on my side of the fence is, you know, without the expertise in economics and health economics in particular is, you know, I hear the bullet points from the politicians that I'm interested in, just like a lot of folks do. Um, I hear the summaries on the news. I read the paper, you know, there's always a good uh, health insurance healthcare conversation coming up in the New York Times, you know, every so often that is worth a read or the Wall Street Journal, but it's so complicated. Um, and it, and like I said earlier, it's intimidating. So it can be like, oh, I got that bullet point. That's what I want to do. I think we should be like Canada or we shouldn't be like Canada or we should be like Australia to your point. Maybe that's the, the happy medium, but it, it, it's not that simple. So I, I'm just curious. I appreciate your intel and your, your thoughts on that. You know, if we can at least see what the roadmap is and what those options really mean, then I think we have a little more clear view of, uh, you know, where our thoughts and our passion might, might lie on a topic like this. So yeah. um, good porch beer uh, conversation as always. There's nothing <laughs> like a little fresh air beer and a good hard conversation about healthcare. <laughs> well, and, and, you know, like I said, it, it may be worth a, a longer conversation in a, in a full episode, but um I did my best here. On <laughs> I, I think it, I think it deserves the, the time of a full episode, but I wanted to uh, just kind of break off a, a little something to, to kind of get the feeling here. So appreciate the conversation. Great, uh, great hang as always. And uh, catch you next time. All right. Thanks, Brett. Hey friends, Brett from Trogonomics, and thank you so much for listening to this episode. We had a great time recording it. I hope you enjoyed it and found it resourceful and useful. After listening, please head to the website for all the details and the resources and the information that you just heard in the episode, as well as past episodes and a bit more background on Trog and myself. The website is trogonomics.com, T-R-O-G. O-N as in Nancy, O-M as in Michael, I-C-S dot com, T-R-O-G-O-N-O-M-I-C-S dot com. You can also find us on social media at Trogonomics.
Thanks again. Have a wonderful day, and we'll see you next time.